0: Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand. I am Pastor Joe Faldett from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. This sermon is from February 9th. It is entitled God's Tests. We're going to be looking at Judges 3 verses 3 through 11. If you'd like to watch this sermon, you can check out our YouTube page, Hosanna Free Lutheran Church, or you can always find us on our website, www.hosannafreelutheran.com. Judges 3, verses 3 through 11 on 257. Judges 3, verses 3 through 11, and I read in Jesus' name. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermit as far as Labo Hamath. And, well, and they were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rishathaim, sure, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathiam, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan rishathaim So the hand, land had rest 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, we ask that you would bless us, guide us. Lord, be honored through this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Kushan Risha Thiam. That'd been a good name for Steph. I like, Steph's nice because it's easy. Just call her Crush, you know, for short. (laughs) Crush. Um, So today we're looking at God's tests. Like, what are the, so last week we talked about testing. You know, why does God test us? And the reason that God tests us is to, well, really, to draw us to Him. Like, to sanctify us. That's God's goal in all of this. To, um, as he says in, in verse 2, it was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war. You know, so that we might live out this battle. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to trust him and to follow him instead of walking like the world walks. And when we walk like the world walks, things don't make sense and they don't work. Because the world's ways don't work. And so that's why we're called to look to God. But what do these tests look like in, in practice? Um, well, as, as we start, the writer of the book of Judges says something interesting. Uh, at least I thought it was interesting. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines, and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon from, from Mount Baal-Hermon as far as Labohamath. Hamath. They were for the testing of Israel, to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord. And so, testing comes so that, because that is the opportunity that we have then to decide while, or to live out whether or not we're going to follow the Lord or we're going to follow the ways of the world. Here we see that this testing was to make known or to know uh, whether Israel would follow the commandments of the Lord people often ask the question, well, didn't God already know? You know, so why is God doing this? And that's one translation, one way to translate this is to know. But another way to translate this Hebrew word, which I don't remember the Hebrew word right offhand. I apologize for that. Is to make known whether Israel would follow the Lord or not. And so Israel's testings weren't just for Israel. Israel. Well, they were for Israel, so that they have that decision, they have that opportunity. And also then, they would then have the opportunity to know whether or not they themselves would have the opportunity to know what are they going to do when they face those tests. And so why do trials come into our lives? Trials come into our lives for our sake, so that we know, are we going to follow the Lord, or are we not going to follow the Lord? Because I don't, have you guys ever read any books on like Christian persecution? And as you're reading those, have you ever asked the question, well I wonder if I would stand up under that. You know, I I have asked that and reading about like um, Wernbrandt or you know some of these Christians. It's just terrible stuff. The stuff that was going on in Romania during communism and uh, all throughout Russia. Yeah. Like would I stand? Well the reason that we have these trials is to make known to us. Because if if we're faithful in little things, then God will give us big things. And so all of these little trials, these are ways by which we know, am I going to stand or not? Because it's, really it's easier to stand faithfully when things are bigger. You know, but it's those daily trials that really those are where people are made or broken. You know, That's what really matters. Am I going to walk with the Lord today Versus am I going to walk with the Lord when, you know, I'm put on trial for walking with the Lord. So if I'm not walking with the Lord today, I know that when I'm put on trial, I'm probably going to fail. But if I'm walking with the Lord faithfully today, that's what this is for. It's to make it known to me. But then also to make it known all throughout history. Because again, your trials aren't just for yourselves. We don't. None of us go through trials just for ourselves. You know, you think about like Bruce and Lori when Rebecca was sick that God would have the opportunity to use that off into the world. That's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, because God never does anything for just a single reason. But so that the whole world would know, this is what faithfulness looks like. And through that, God blessed the church in Mankato, and God blessed you guys, and God worked, and praise God that Rebecca's at least physically healthy. <laughs> She's not here being nice. Ah, you know. They'll tell her, probably. Um, so, so that's why God is doing this. This is why God wants to make it known. Because he wants the world to see what's different about Christians. You know, really, what's different about Christians? Do we just, you know, we waste our Sunday morning, whereas other people, they use it wisely and sleep in or, you know, play video games? And we go to church. You know, How ridiculous is that? Is that what makes us Christians? It's like, No. Christianity is so much bigger and so much deeper, and it affects every aspect of our lives. So as we face trials, you know, whether those trials be waking up in the morning and feeling tired and not wanting to do my devotions, or whether those trials be a sick child, they not sleeping for days on end, or um, whether those trials be, you know, really, my life's on the line, or my children's life is on the line. Am I willing to sacrifice them for the sake of the Lord? You know that—that's those are tough questions. But we learn those as we walk with the Lord daily, as we go through those little trials, and we'll understand what happens in the big trials. Go for it. Yeah, we had him speak here at one point, but it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, When I you know that Benny doesn't like his name, so I'll use the first name, not the last name. But yeah, when, when Benny came and spoke about what he went through in Romania and how that deepened his faith, and you see that. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why we read, like, Fox's Book of Martyrs and um, Jesus Freaks is the other one, or, you know, Hudson Taylor and these missionaries and what they went through. So yeah, thanks, Vicky. We should probably have him back because that's been quite a few years. Um where does God say that he never does something for a single purpose? Actually, that's in the book of Isaiah where he says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are deeper than your thoughts. Or higher than your thoughts, not deeper. And so as as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And so one of the ideas within that is that it's broader too. And so, um, so that's what we know. And that's, What we know about the Israelites, after all the blessings that God gave them, they didn't follow God. You know, and so people will say, if I could just see God, then I would follow him. It's like, tried that, didn't work. You know, that's where Augustine comes in and says, "Um, I used to think I need to understand in order to believe. But I've realized that I need to believe in order to understand. And so all no matter what God does in our lives, if we refuse to believe him, to trust him, to rely on him, all of those things are ultimately for naught. Because what more could God give us? You know, because people will say, well, if I finally had some, you know, spending money, then I could trust in God. It's like, really? If I had some free time, then it'd be easier to trust in God. Like, if we're not using what we have now, it's not going to help us when we get more. And so, if people saw God, would they walk with God? You know what? It didn't work for the Israelites. It probably won't work for, for college professors or the random person you meet on the street. So, that's what we know. The visible manifestations of God are not enough. People need to trust God themselves. So, what happened? What happened when the people of Israel didn't trust God, when they refused to walk with God, when, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served other gods, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Because it's not, you know, when, when we start, how do I even say this? What's the real problem with sin? Have you ever thought about that? We, we did talk about that. What is sin in its very nature? It is that which is evil. It is that which is opposite of good. It is that which is opposite of the will of God. It is that which is destructive to everything it touches. And like that's sin. But another reality of sin is that it's bottomless. It's bottomless. You can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into sin all the way to the end of your life. You know, that's what, yeah, well, if you want to read some really disturbing things, and not that I encourage it at all, well, read about Emperor Caligula. You know, if you think that hedonism would bring happiness, read about Emperor Caligula. He became a disgusting man in every way, shape, or form, because he was pursuing sensuality as an end. And the problem was, there was no satisfying end. You know, brutality, power. You want to read about power, how power corrupts people? Read about the concentration camps. A lot of the stuff that those guards did, it was power plays. They were trying to exercise power over the people that were under them. Did that satisfy them? Well, if it would have, they would have stopped. It didn't satisfy. didn't even satiate. They became more and more sadistic to demonstrate their power. And so sin has no bottom. Every place where sin exists, If you're really looking for satisfaction in that sin, it's bottomless. And so as the people of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, they didn't just stop at, you know, well, you know, simple sins. But they went deeper and deeper and deeper. They continued to pursue it and pursue it and pursue it. And so that's why we don't entertain evil in our lives. Because it's got no end. It asks for an inch and then it takes a mile. You know, sin, you never, you never sin, you're like, oh, I'm good. I don't need any more of that. It's like the idea is that there's more and it keeps sucking us in. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And God says, this is the direct reason. They're committing evil. Why is God mad at them? Because they're committing evil. And so if we're committing evil, does that say, you know, can we say, you know what, God's not a God of wrath anymore. God wouldn't get mad at us. Well, if I'm walking in evil, God's going to get mad at me. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. What's going on? They didn't repent. They didn't follow the Lord. They didn't confess. They didn't seek him. I don't know where the Levites are in all of this. I don't know what they're doing, what the priests are doing. They're kind of absent in this story, which is really strange. But in all of these stories, up until the very end, and then you see that the Levites aren't much better. But Really, what's going on here is that the people of Israel are doing evil. When evil, even the people of God, when the people of God are doing evil, God becomes angry with them. Because that's what the Israelites were. They were the people of God. They were the church in that day. And so we as a church, we can't say, you know what? I'm going to do a little bit of evil here, but God won't care. No, we've got to walk in righteousness. Period. End of story. I have to. You have to. We have to. This is our call to live this out. If I say I trust God, but I don't walk in his ways, it's a demonstration. I don't really trust God. You know, that old evangelism explosion illustration. Pull up a chair. How do I demonstrate my faith in that chair? It's by sitting in it. You know, how do you demonstrate a lack of faith in that chair? Tell someone else to sit in it. When they say, well, why aren't you sitting in it? I don't want to. (laughs) You know, you should follow Jesus, but I'm not going to. Well, what's that saying? That's saying I don't really trust him. So that's supposed to impact all throughout our lives. And in God's anger, what did he do? He sold them into the hand of Cushan Kushan, Rishathiam. Uh, that is a hard word, Anton. <laughs> so he sold them into these people's hands. You know, the Israelites were already following false gods. They were already following, following these people's gods. And so God said, okay, you want to be like them? You have to be under them too. We'll see how that goes. You want to live like the world? I'm going to put you under the authority of the world. How do you like that? I'm going to remove myself as your authority and someone else is going to force you to do what you don't want to do. And so that's where God sold them. Did, did God get anything out of this? No. His goal was to get godly people. But he needed to show Israel really what's going to happen to them. Time and time again he did that. And I think God does that to us too. If I'm worshiping money, God's going to sell me into greed. You know, allow that to gain control over my life. If I'm worshiping power, if that's my pursuit, if I'm worshiping fame. How many famous people has, has it wrecked? You know, all you have to do is read through the what Entertainment Tonight? Is that one of the Hollywood tabloids? I don't know. I don't ever read those things. Cause I just don't really care what's going on with Brad Pitt and, and Jennifer Aniston. Aniston? And Angelina and Jolie? I don't know. Is he going on with either of them? Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> who cares? You know, really? Who cares? But do you want to see if pa- fame will benefit anybody? If money will benefit anybody? If power will benefit anybody? You want to see about power? Look at Washington. How many of these people has it really helped them become more moral people? <laughs> you know Tim you used to live out East. politicians all moral out there? No, I know that it hasn't benefited many people in Minnesota, so terrible. Will it benefit us to, you know if if I am giving my life over for this thing, is it ultimately going to benefit me? Because God said, you know, through Paul. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You want to have great gain? Pursue godliness with contentment. That's an end. Like that's, that's a way to live our lives. But if we're pursuing these other things, fame, fortune, power, authority, whatever, God will sell us into those things so that they have control of our lives. And they will take control of our lives. And they are not good masters. So if you pursue food, whatever, pleasure, pursue that above God, God will say, all right, I'm going to sell you into that. You see this in people's lives. It was so poignant for me when I was reading this. I see this, people living this out. That's why Paul says, all things are lawful to me, but I will not be enslaved by any of them. He's saying they're all going to be subordinated to God. I'm going to follow God, everything else, is subordinated to that. God is my Lord. And God says, I'm a good Lord. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Money is not a good Lord. <laughs> so what changed? Because it, this wasn't the end. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. I'm going to skip ahead. Uh, but, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. So this is what changed. The people of Israel finally came to the Lord. Would they have had to come to the Lord? Or would would they have had to have gone through this time of testing and trial? Well, maybe. But if they had cried out to the Lord, it would have been a totally different type of test and trial. It would have manifested itself differently in their lives. Because you can have a trial that comes upon you and not serve the idols of that trial. You know, it's one of the things about having sick children. You kind of learn how little sleep you actually need in the short run. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do live on. Do I need to serve? Sleep? Rest? Ease? Luxury? No. You know, there's more important things in this world. And so the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They should have been doing this the whole time. Why did they have to suffer for, what, what was it, eight years in this one? Yeah, they served Cushan. For eight years. So it's not like the people of Israel finally got their act together. It's that they finally called out to the Lord. They didn't finally become powerful and strong. They finally cried out to the Lord. They finally did what God wanted them to do. You know, and that's our call. When we face trials and hardships and difficulties, are which aspect of the Israelites are we going to manifest? We're going to manifest the evil that they did? and serve these gods and try to, you know, satisfy them and appease them? Or are we going to cry out to the Lord? Like, say you're in financial difficulties, what are you going to do? Are you going to start a side hustle and you're going to, you know, sleep less and, and start working more? And, you know, work 20 hours a day in order to earn enough money so that you can have all the junk that you want? Is that what you're going to live your life for? Or are you going to cry out to God and say, Lord, we need, we have need. We don't know how God's going to answer that because God answers things in all sorts of different ways. Which is actually one of the fascinating things about the book of Judges. Not all of these people in the book of Judges fought in the same manner. Why? Because God's creative. One of the reasons. It's because God's creative. You know, Othniel, he was a leader of men. And so God raised up Othniel. He grabbed this guy out of their midst. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And so God raised up Othniel. And Othniel was a leader of men. He had already conquered. You know, we read about him earlier in the book of Judges. Uh, He had already conquered there. And that was fascinating because he got his people together. And then he got, you know, was married to Caleb's daughter. um, And they defeated, was it the sons of, where is that? Uh, It doesn't really matter. It it does matter. But I'm not going to take the time right now to look it up. So Othniel gets an army together. Why? I would say probably because that was Othniel's personality. That's the sort of guy he was. Some of these guys, they're loners. And so what did they do? They fought as loners. That's what Samson did. That didn't really work out that well for him though. But Othniel was a military general. That's the sort of guy he was. So he went to war. Ehud, well, he was kind of deceptive. But he was a left-hander anyways. <laughs> I don't know if that. Well, whatever. So God raised up someone, and so when we're when we're in trials, what do we do? Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord for what? You know, oftentimes the Lord's not just going to remove the trial, because could God have just killed Cushan? Yeah, sure. Why not? No, God's the one that's keeping his heart beating anyways. He could have just said, you know what? Aneurysm, boom, done. Israel's trial is gone. But God didn't do that. He raised up a person. I think God does that in our lives oftentimes too. Because God wants us connected with others. He works through people. He works through godly people. And as he works through godly people, he teaches us how to be godly through those people. So he doesn't just change the world. He changes the world through people. God raised up somebody so that we would then have somebody to look to. You know, we're not just trusting that God works magic. (laughs) Rather, that God works through people. And how did, what was different about Othniel? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And so this is really important. What's his motivator? Who's pushing him? Who's driving him? Who's enabling him? It's God. So it's not the greatness even of Othniel. It's the greatness of God. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he went to war. And he judged Israel. He went to war. What does it mean for him to judge Israel? This guy went to war. But when we're looking for people, what sort of people do we look for? When we're looking for God to work, what sort of people does he raise up? He raises up people who walk with him. He puts his spirit upon them then in special ways. You know, and so that's important. We're not just looking, we're not just looking for people who are talented. God doesn't just use talented people. Isn't that great? God doesn't just use wise people. God doesn't just use intelligent people. God doesn't just use, you know, pretty people or big people or little people. God doesn't use, like those aren't God's qualifications. And those shouldn't be our qualifications. As we're looking for people to partner with and to bring forward the kingdom of God, what should we be pursuing in our lives and the lives of the people around us? That they'd be walking with the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord would be upon them. Therefore, walk in the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians. If you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to satisfy the desires of the flesh. So that's our call. And you know, and I'm Lutheran. <laughs> but there's a place we we need to ask the Holy Spirit to be guiding us, to be leading us. That He would be upon us, directing us in our lives. Like this is important. Because as well actually Kirsten asked me the question the other day. Um, how do we know the difference from a spirit led dream and, you know, a taco led dream? <laughs> you know, you, you eat something weird and you've got some strange dreams. How do you know the difference between those? You know, cause we were, uh, you guys were doing jo- or Joshua. No, not Joshua, Joseph. Was it when you were doing Joseph for homeschool? No, maybe not. Okay. Um, I thought you guys were reading through Joseph, but, uh, You know, how do you know the difference? God teaches. God doesn't just send this random dream and then expect that. It's like God teaches. And so if I'm walking with the Holy Spirit in these little things, trusting him to guide me, listening to his word, acting that out, then when those other things, those things that his word doesn't directly touch upon, then I can actually discern the difference. If my mind is trained to listen for the Holy Spirit, then I am I can listen for the Holy Spirit. But if I'm just doing things my way, or the way that Dr. Phil says, you know, I don't listen to God, I listen to pop psychology. How will I know when it's the Holy Spirit when it's bad soup? You know, that's what Luther says. <laughs> How do you know it's the Holy Spirit and not bad cheese? I haven't had bad cheese, but I had bad soup, you know. Oh, I felt weird after that. Was that the Holy Spirit talking? No. It didn't feel the same at all. And so as we're walking with the Lord, trials will come. If we're doing evil, those are going to be tests. You know, Those are going to be difficult trials. Those are going to be things that God brings into our lives to bring us to repentance. Because they're going to be out of anger then. But then as we we want to get out of them or get through them. Maybe that would be a better way to say that. We want to get through them. Not just get out of them, but get through them. Cry out to the Lord and we listen for His Spirit. Because maybe we're the ones that He's raising up. You ever think about that? We see all these problems in, in America and in the world. God, raise up somebody. You know? Is it I, Lord? To quote Isaiah? Maybe God wants us to be walking in His Spirit, bringing forward the change that He wants to make in this world. Questions? Does that make sense at all? Like this is how God is working in judges. God works in the same way in our lives. Bruce. It's, yeah, it's possible. We don't know, yeah, we don't know how Cushan came to be above them. Because you're right, it doesn't say they went to war against Cushan and they lost. But rather it just says God sold them in. And so it could have been a slow drift. Yep, just slowly went under his authority and then finally he clamped down. Sin is a terrible master. Because that's what these nations represent. Yeah, slow drift. We have to be careful for a slow drift. I don't know Yeah. He was a, he was an or Judah. Yep. And, uh, it was yeah, he, yeah, so you're right, I didn't mention that today. Maybe I should have, but he is a Kenazite, son of Kenaz. So he's not a son of Israel. But they were adopted in. And, you know, he became Caleb's son-in-law, so then his children are. But yeah, he's an outsider. Not an insider. You know, we shouldn't look at ourselves and apply purity laws to ourselves and say, well, I'm not German, and so obviously God can't use me. (laughs) It's possible. But, you know, but yeah, Othniel was an outsider. He was a Kenizzite. He was... He was separate from the Israelites, but he was a believer in God. And so, yeah, what does God look for? Does he look for the perfect person? No, he looks for the person that will follow him. That's what God's looking for. person that will do what God calls them to do. And that's how God raises people up. So, Alright. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this story. I pray as we continue these stories and as we learn more about judges or how they worked and how you worked and what this looks like, Lord, that that we wouldn't just read these stories, but rather that we would strive to apply them into our lives. Lord, that you would change us through them, make us more like Christ. Lord, that we would humble ourselves at all points in time and cry out to you, Lord, because we need you in our lives. And with these problems that we see, Lord, if you want to raise up laborers, you're welcome to use us. Use us to work in your world. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our final hymn today.